Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week I'm catching up with Australian artist Brendan Kelly. How you going, Brendan? I'm going good. Thanks for having me, Tom. Uh, it's a um, pleasure to sit down and uh, have a chat with you. It's uh, you've I, don't know, I haven't known you too long, but I've seen that you're a very diverse character. I'm looking forward to finding out more about you. Yes, yes, that's it. I've been referred to as a man of many colours by the. Um the magistrate at the Mullumbimby District Court, so I'm sure he's seen a few. Yeah. What were you doing there? Oh, <laughs> that was why I knew you'd ask that. Um, oh, just gotten a bit of hot water that I had to get out of, that's all. I was found, I was actually, yeah, that's, I was found guilty with no action taken, so that's uh, kind of, um, it's kind of like the judge saying, you can't do that, mate, um, but you're all right. Yeah. So no criminal record or or um, any anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's all I want to say about it. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> it I was actually know. what that was. That was what that was. Say, probably t- ten years ago now. Oh yeah. 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 I, you're gonna open up with my crim- <laughs> open up with my criminal record. <laughs> I have no criminal record, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was that was yeah. Man of many colours. Back to the point. Yeah. Yes, I'm a man yeah. of many colours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're still, uh, still referred to in that way. It's good to hear. <laughs> you haven't, uh, you haven't dimmed the, uh, the colours. Nah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like I've, uh, I met you through uh, exhibiting at Tom Gallery in Byron Bay, and uh, you know we've exhibited in exhibitions together, and um, that's how I first came across your work, and. They met you at the gallery, and uh, I don't know since then I've been bumping into you around town. It's um, it's been really uh, great to get familiar with you and your and your artwork. Um, but the more time I've been spending around you, the more I've heard about your uh, your past endeavours as well. Like you used to be a comedian as well. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, that started when maybe. Um, I was, I was, when, when I was 30, that started and I, and I'd always like, I'd seen people doing stand up comedy and that. And, and I'd like, I'd always been the type of guy, like at a party or in a beer garden or whatever. And at school, I was always, yeah, a bit of a larrikin sort of thing, or I'd, I'd generally be able to tell a story or something and crack people up and uh, humor was big humor was big in our home um like i grew up in suburban sydney and you know comedy shows and stuff they were mostly british um like in the 70s and early 80s and through my dad and my older brother and my older sister like i was the youngest so there was a lot of yeah there's a lot of humor going around the house and um yeah, I just seemed to pick up on that, and and um, and then, um, yeah. Once I got, once I, I once I'd seen stand up, and I went, I could do that. I just knew I could do it. I knew the feeling that that I, that they were having, and then yeah, I I sort of, and then I just started going to stand up clubs and that, and you're doing five minute spots and. And, and I'd started go all right doing that. And then you start getting some paid gigs and that builds up into support gigs and then emceeing. And 
you build your way through and I ended up sort of working in you know most comedy clubs and with most Australian comedians and that this is all you know I, I stopped doing that like that's 13 years ago now that I stopped doing that mm. but that that I did for 10 years and 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 doing stand-up was this whole you know the business of humor the business of funny and there's a lot of downtime in the day when you're waiting around because uh, gigs are at night. So you're waiting around a lot in the day and you might be staying at people's houses and stuff. And so then that actually turned into where I would be drawing and I'd be drawing, I, I sort of went, you know, humour and you got all these comedians around and stuff. And so I started pretty much drawing cartoons and um, cartoons that would, You'd send them off and they'd get printed in magazines and newspapers and stuff. And I used to have a, I used to have a spot in this street one that people, most Australian people have seen. It's called the, uh, the Big Issue. Mm-hmm. You know, homeless people sell it at train yeah. stations and all that. Yeah, I, I, I had a spot in that one for like, I don't know, two years, three years maybe. And, um, and yeah, yeah, so, you know, I'd, I'd um, stand up, stand up comedy turned in led to cartooning which had me drawing you know all the time every day and then the drawing of the cartoons and that turned into sort of t-shirt art and poster art that I would be using with shows and stuff I did as a comedian and then that turned into that sort of ran its course and all that and then that turned into the larger scale, um, you know, fine art, the, this sort of stuff I'm doing now, which still, when you look at it, has you can see elements of there's 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 definitely humorous elements in there, which I I don't mean to do. A lot of people look at something and they think it's funny, and I go, oh, I thought that was you know poignant or beautiful or, or something, but um, yeah, the, the cartooning turned into fine art and, and, and yeah, it just one thing turns into another, turns into another, turns into another. So that's that's how I got where I am now, I guess. So with, with the um so with the cartooning, was that more did you have a passion to create artwork or was it more of just a way to illustrate uh, humour? Um, uh, I'd say like in, in, in my growing up at home, uh, pretty had a lot of energy as a kid. I still have a lot of energy. And so it would tend to be from a young age, say, you know, three or four or whatever, <laughs> my mum would generally grab a, she'd like grab a, a bunch of flowers in a vase or something and plonk it on the table and say, draw that. And, and that would maybe shut you up for 20 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. So then the drawing things was, it was kind of always there. And, um, even in high school and stuff. Yeah, it was, I, I would always sort of draw things, but I never really, I never sort of took it seriously as such. It was funny. It was until I was leaving high school when I was in year 10. I left high school in year 10. And um, so I was only just 15. And um, right at the end of high school, I had an apprenticeship as a bricklayer and everything, right? I had an apprenticeship. You're leaving school, but I was still at school. But I was going to be a bricklayer. (laughs) And... um, and like the last art class of the year sort of thing, I just suddenly went, I, I, I want to be an artist. And I could just feel this whole feeling, really strong feeling. I just went, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be a bricklayer. What am I thinking? I want to be an artist. And it was sort of like, 
it was too late or I thought I thought it's too late you know you think your whole life's like laid out in front of you because you got this bricklaying apprenticeship but um that was really I kind of when it kicked in the first time that I ever had this deep feeling of what I you know wanted to be or what my purpose was in life that was an artist that that happened just before I left school but I had an apprenticeship as a bricklayer it is funny when you're at that age and you're getting your first job, you think, all right, that's it for me for the rest of my yeah. life. Yeah, that's what 16 I thought. 16 years old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then I was, I was, so then when school finished and then I had to start work in, say, you know, three weeks or something. And I was riding my skateboard home from the skateboard park. We had a skateboard park close to my house. And I was, I was riding my skateboard home from the skateboard park. And there was this new house being built. And there's this guy, you know, Bricky's labourer, chucking bricks up a scaffold to another bloke. And I had done that sort of work. I'd done it with, I'd done it for work experience. And I'd, you know, I'd done it, the neighbour was a bricklayer and all this. And so I, I knew what I was getting into, but I saw this guy and, and I just sort of went, it's wrong. It's just, it's wrong, mate. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. And so I got home and I went, I announced, I'm not going. I'm not going to even start that apprenticeship. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be an artist. And my mother and father just went, what's he talking about? Like I had no body of work or anything. I was, I, I was, I'd only gone to year 10. I announced this just ludicrous idea. And then that sort of, uh, it was good, really. Ma- mainly, mum. Dad wasn't against it in any way, but he'd be at work and all that. And mum sort of like starts looking in the newspaper and things for jobs, but they were all like printing firm or um, this, yeah, printing sort of stuff and graphics maybe, but not illustrated or anything, which is what I thought I wanted to do. I sort of pictured myself illustrating stuff for some advertising company or something like that you, you, you just you had nothing mm. but and then weirdly enough i got I, I got there was an ad for a um it was for an apprenticeship for, for a graphic reproducer which is not illustrating or creating art it's actually formatting other people's art for print so someone else maybe does a, you know unreal drawing or whatever and and, and my job was turning that drawing into print ready plates to you know produce record yeah. cover or whatever it was do all the separations yeah like color that. separations yeah. it was all done photographically and everything mm-hmm. this was this was in 1986 and then um i went to tech in sydney first day the guy comes out and says this is the last year of this course it's all going digital it's all going to be, you're going to be all sitting at computers and you're going to have a, a keyboard in front of you and you're going to be typing away. And I just went, oh, no, this is like, this is just not what I want at all, you know. And so then I, it was funny, I actually stood up and walked out of tech. And I was only 16. It was a pretty, it was a pretty gutsy move. And I stood up and I went, I'm going. And the teacher said, you know, what are you talking about? And I went, nah, this isn't right. And he sort of went, oh, you know, he said, you'll be back. <laughs> and he goes, you'll be back. And I walked out the door and, and just got on the train and went home. And funnily enough, my dad was on that train. It was such a weird coincidence. There was no way dad would ever be home so early. But for some reason that day, he was 
coming home and he was on the train and I hopped on the train and he went, what are you doing? Mm. And, I, and <laughs> I just gone, I don't, I'm not doing that. That's, that's digital. That's, that's not, that's not it. I don't want to, that's computers. Computers were like computers were the, were like the kids at school who went to computer course and all that. They were really sort of geeky kids at that mm. stage and you know, not knocking anyone or anything, but it was the geeky sort of nerdy kids who did the computer stuff. I'm going, I don't want anything to do with computers. And anyway, dad, dad just went, all right, settle down, settle down. We'll, we'll work something out, you know. And, and then I got an apprenticeship as a landscape gardener. So I, 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 there are, the graphic arts thing with the photographic separation and all that, it was like half your day was in a dark room mm. with a red light. And, and it was just total, total, not only indoor work, but dark mm. and i hated it i was much more of an outdoor i was way more outdoor sort of kid yeah not looking like a vampire yeah it was like <laughs> it was totally like that yeah and so then i i, I went no 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 and I, and I went i need something creative i knew i needed something creative and i wanted it to be outdoors and then i went what are, you know landscaping and they're doing on picture yeah they're doing stone walls and they're doing working around pools and doing gardens and, and, and you know, structures and things. Because I was always into that. I love building things and you know, structures and stuff. And so then, um, like, I let... I, it was like two... I, I actually, I wrote a whole bunch of letters, as you did in the 80s. You'd write letters and send them off to all these companies in the yellow pages and stuff. So I pretty much sent a letter to every landscaper in Sydney. And um, very quickly got a reply from a guy who said oh you know i can't offer you an apprenticeship but i can give you you know a couple of days work see if you like it and um i went and you know did a couple of days work and because i'd sort of done the bricklaying stuff as work experience i, I knew you know how to push a barrow and how to stack pavers and whatever and then yeah that just turned into another day's work another day's work weeks work months work and then he said yeah i'll give you an apprenticeship and so i did a, an apprenticeship as a landscape gardener which you know i'd often think to myself years later like i'd kind of write that off as oh i didn't really start doing sort of art as such painting and all that until later but all of that landscaping stuff was very much a really good grounding in, you know, there's, there's design, there's foreground, background, there's colour with plantings and things, there's a building of structures and, uh, and it all is, it is or was very, um, very artistic really compared to most people's jobs, the landscaping stuff I was doing with this guy and, and he was actually, you know, uh, you know he was an award-winning um, landscape contractor in Sydney at the time. And so he was a good person to be working with and that. And, um, yeah, uh, what got us on to that? It was yeah. um, um, one thing leads to another, I think yeah. it was. So, it is interesting, though, how um, you can be set on being an artist so early in your life, yet become an artist like, later in life. Yeah. I had a similar journey. Like, yeah. I went through lots of different jobs. Yeah. And I was looking for art within those jobs. Yeah. Like, I remember when I was, like, my mum dug up this photo of me in preschool recently, and it was me. I remember having the photo taken now, and I was doing my favourite activity, which was I um, had a bucket of water and a paintbrush, and I'd try and paint all the wooden, um, 
like play equipment and make it all dark with the water. Oh, and yeah. And try to get it all dark. Try, try, yeah. It all dries. <laughs> and, and I think that was, I think I tried doing it with paint and all that, where the, the, the teacher was like, no, nah, no, nah, just do it with water. <laughs> and so that was, you wanted but, it to stay wet then. Yeah. Now I doing was, this street I'll, art stuff, you want it to dry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I was like so young, you know. Yeah. And, um, and I've got the photo in the studio. I'm even like in the picture, I'm right-handed. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm lefty. Oh. So I was like four or five years old. Oh. But um, and then but then like even I remember after that saying to my uncle, like, he said, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I said, "An artist." And he uh. messed up my hair. He goes, "What a bullshit artist!" Uh. And that was about all I got. <laughs> but then I found myself as working as a chef, and I was looking for creativity and uh. like plating up and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But yeah. Uh, it's only in hindsight you sort of make all those connections. Yeah. Because I didn't become an artist until I was 38 years I, old. I actually, know. I know another thing that was a big, um, one of those moments when you look back, when you're talking about your childhood and you see that photo. One was where um, there used to be this children's, like a Saturday morning TV show. And they'd have cartoons and things, but they'd also have segments. And one segment was like where kids could send in drawings yeah and they'd all go up onto this big board and the camera would sort of pan across them and then someone's drawing would be selected out and they'd have their name mentioned or whatever and mum said you know hey why don't you kids go in that so there was me and my older brother and my older sister and um so we're all sitting there drawing and I remember I got this I had this book it was, and, and it had a, a praying mantis and I opened up this book and there was this praying mantis, green praying mantis and I sat there and just, you know, copied it. I, I, I would have been about, I was before I went to primary, uh, infant school, so I would have been four, if not three. And I drew this praying mantis, which I just thought was, you know, mate, this thing's going to, this is going to win. And my brother drew something as well, and my sister drew something. I can't remember what they drew, because who cares? But <laughs> So they all got sent off. And then in a couple of weeks' time, we're watching the morning show on um, Saturday morning. I swear this show is called Zoopox. I, I can't, I can't, um, I, I don't know if I'm right, but I'm just going, the show is called Zoopox, or something similar. And... Um, so we're watching this show on a Saturday morning, the camera pans along and there's my sister's one and there's my brother's one and my one didn't get, my one didn't get a gig and I was just devastated and I was like, What's, what, why wasn't my one on there? Where's, when's mine? Mum's going, oh, yours will be on next week. Yours will be on next week. And so you sort of watch it next week. It's not on next. She's trying to sort of bluff me so I'll forget about it. But I just wouldn't let up on it. And in the end, she went, um, she said, I think I just heard the postman. Why don't you go and check the letterbox? And I ran down to the letterbox and there was a little brown paper package in there. And I got it up and opened it up. She said, it must be for you. And I opened it up, it was a packet of textures and a packet of pencils. And she said, oh, there's a, and she, that's right, she has a letter in there. And she said, it says that you're, your drawing was too light to show up on television, so they've sent you some textures and things. And then I sussed it out, and I went, well, "Why isn't there a stamp on the front of the on the front of the package, and there's no address?" I went, "You wrote it. It's your handwriting." And she, went, "Oh fuck 
<laughs> Just you're a hard one. And uh, so then I always had, and I could see this for you, mate, I've still got this going on to this day, that like that thing of like, okay, Archibald Prize, that one does it for me. So you're sending it, you're doing this stuff, you're sending it in, and then you, you don't get in. And so it's this really bone of contention where I'm going, you know, what was wrong with my one or whatever, or, you know, looking at the, looking at the competition and go, well, why that one get in sort of thing? So it's still there. And that does definitely come from, um, yeah, that young experience of, 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 of the editor or the producer of the mm. show, you know, deeming your one not fit for television or something. So, you know, you, you have that feeling at all? Do you have that, you know? Oh, yeah. Mate, I was... Um I was a tw- I'm a twin, so I, you know, a lot of times growing up, there was just only one spot, and one of us had to get it. You know, yeah, and yeah. Had to miss out, so I've been a, been a part of that. Yeah, but um, yeah, you but, do because you've mentioned it a few but, times with your brother, where yeah. you've got a bit of a locking of horns. Oh man, it's, <laughs> it's competitive. Mate, we locked horns in the womb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's ruthlessly competitive yeah. in a way. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Why is he getting the milk? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, um, no, I, I like I know your thing with the Archibald stuff as well because I did it. I like the first time I entered it, I made it into the Salon de Refuso. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, I'm on my way now. Yeah, yeah. And then I did a painting which I considered to be ten times better than that one. Yeah. And I entered it and no, it was crickets. Yeah. You know. And, yeah. Uh, it's but. And the problem with, with that was everyone was patting me on the back going, mate, this is getting through. Oh, you sure. are going to win. <laughs> yeah. <it's> like, <laughs> yeah. Not saying you're going to win. No, but you're, but you're, make you, the finals, you're all you know over it. Mean? Yeah. And yeah. so I was just sort of had that expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's annoying, isn't mm-hmm. it? But that's, so that one, I would get that one too when I was doing the cartoons and things where you would, um, you know, this was, this was the cartoon stuff I was doing when I was doing stand up, like internet youtube and social media and that was it hadn't really kicked off yet it was still print media say Mm. 2001 2002 2003 that sort of time so you were you were still emailing and sending a digital image but to you know newspapers magazines whatever so and it was like that but you basically had to you know get something past the editor Mm. And again, you know, you'd knock up a cartoon, think it was gold and send it off and, you know, nah, no, we regret to inform you. So I think you get a lot of, used to get a lot of letters and that, um, people don't respond to things now. Now, now, like ignoring you is, is your response, Mm. but people used to respond to things and send you, actually send you a letter back in the mail saying we we regret, they would open with regretfully and you just, Mm. I just chuck it away at that point. I don't want to hear the rest of it. But yeah, so getting, getting, dealing with an agency, an editor, a producer or something and and you've got to get it past them. Yeah, that one still re- still works on me very strongly to lock horns with mm. them, sort of thing. And but there's no one to lock horns with. No. <laughs> it's funny though because we're living such a different age this this day and age because we um now with social media and the internet and all that, everyone's just putting their own stuff yeah, out there. Yeah. So there's no gatekeepers. Yeah, which I love. So, like when that kicked in, yeah. when that kicked in, I love that. I just went. All oh, right, you just you and 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 in the stand-up world, you would have the older sort of comedians who were stuck in this path that this is the path, 
and then you'd had a whole and I and then you had a bunch of these younger guys come through who were immediately seeing possibilities via the internet via YouTube and so they were making up you know channels and things and just absolutely making their own road and I was very much kind of in between age so the old I, I was friends with all the older ones and I looked up to them and listened to them but and then the younger ones I could see no they're coming they're gonna get they're gonna clean up these older guys they're coming through and they totally did mm. and um, um, yeah so I loved all that um, I love the, the I love the internet stuff where you could like like YouTube and things like that. I also loved all the print where you had these print on demand type things and you could knock out a book or something and you didn't have to get it past an editor and you didn't have to print a thousand books and have them under your bed and try to sell them. They were like as a person wants to buy it, they just buy one print on demand. I loved all that stuff and I dabbled in it in all different ways. Um, uh, um, uh, but yeah, back to the thing. I still had that phobia about computers and 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 digital technology, so I never really warmed to it all that much, mm. and still don't. Yeah. Before we get into the next section of the podcast, I want to take a moment to say a special thanks to today's sponsor that has made this podcast possible. Introducing the Art Career Academy, a new online school for the career artist. This academy supports artists to build the art career that they desire. And I'm especially excited to let you know that I'm on the teaching staff of this innovative school. So, if you're frustrated in not knowing how to build your art career and you want to feel confident and clear on the pathway forward and experience creative and financial growth to build your sustainable life as an artist, then head to artcareeracademy.com to express your interest and go on the wait list for the first live intake. Numbers will be limited, so don't snooze on this one. Okay, let's get back to today's episode. So, um, we're here in your studio at the moment, and this is a uh, an awesome studio you got here. It's on your uh, your property out in uh, in Mullumbimby in northern New South Wales. Um, how long have you had this place for? Um, well, the, so the house is, I built the house that's been here since two thousand and five, and then this studio. So I started. Um, when I got into, um, you know, I'd been doing the cartooning and all that, and I was doing that still over at the house. And then when I got into painting, larger scale, um, fine art painting, I was doing that in the house as well. And I spread out of the room and it went into the hallway and I had a big sheet of plywood up uh, in front of the fireplace at the end of the hall. I'd be walking up and down the hall, which gave me like 10 metres. I could stand back 10 metres and then there's paint getting on the floor and paint on the walls and it was just growing and growing. And then I also used to do work, I'd do it out on the driveway and I'd have big pieces of cardboard, like huge bits of dressmaker's cardboard. I'd have them all spread out on the um, driveway um, just a road-based driveway and I'd be working out on the driveway and then rain had come over, a cloud had come over and you have to pull it in on the veranda and I was, I was just going, man, I need a studio, I need a, a purpose-built thing and so back to the land, the landscaping trade, had I, I had building skills and, and I'd built several houses by that stage and I went, right, I'm building a studio 
And um, and then I built this studio. So this is 12 meters by six meters, concrete slab, you know, big um, big skylights, and all purpose built specially for 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 me. And um, great big bench that we're sitting at here that you can do framing and stuff on because I do all that sort of stuff. And um, so this one I built maybe I think it was about 2000 and say it was about 2016 I think I built this so I've been in here for maybe six seven years now and it starts to take on you know the, the, the yeah yeah you know, all the drips and all the paint and all the everything it's just oozing out the person who works in I mean I'm in here all day most days um and yeah it just it just becomes an environment that you're extremely familiar with i guess anyone's art studios like that but this one's built by me for me and so it works really well for me i'm very although you always run out of space like i really dream of like a aircraft hangar or something like uh <laughs> even though this is big bigger than a lot of people's uh, you're still looking for space all the time and yeah i really do picture uh, uh, just a massive I, I i got a little got a little vision that of a yeah an aircraft hangar um that'd be suitable yeah <laughs> well like i've just moved to a much bigger studio recently as well and i found the first week or so i had to get adjusted to walking so far like yeah you go to the kitchen but then you got to go all the way to the other corner of the studio for something it's like, mate, it's so fast. Yeah, you got it. They start to maybe a bit of design, yeah. um, the way you've arranged things maybe yeah. is far apart or it's not all that ergonomic or something. Yeah. Um, but then again, having said that, so being that this room is 12 metres long and I generally paint on that end, the long end wall there, and so I walk back and forth to, to, to you know, do a little passage of painting or something and then I walk, basically 10 meters back quickly to and turn around to look at what i i've a little passage i've just done so i'm i'm actually walking up and back up i've got this 10 meter stretch here that i'm walking well i'd love to see you know you get those watches and that that tell you how far you've traveled and stuff yeah i'd be interested to see what i do in the day um here because there's a lot of walking up and back up and back up and back like that all day long and um yeah so i do i cover a lot, a lot of ground too um but not making cups of tea or stuff you know yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um you know you've got uh some great paintings on the wall here and uh you, you're telling me that you've been working on a, a body of work yeah um, yeah new show coming up yep other bedlam utter bedlam yeah that one's um that's on january the 23rd um uh, Mar no january march the 23rd say, yeah, yeah 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 march the, 20 day, march the 23rd 2023 um in sydney at brenda collahan fine art and that's so I've gone, I like the sort of, um, you know, research-based sort of Australian historical stuff. I, I love a bit of that. It's not all I do, but I do like getting a theme and then looking into it and, and, and researching it. And, 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 and I love Australian stuff because I'm a very Australian guy. And 
Um, so where I grew up in Sydney, there's this um, psychiatric hospital. I was always there and you drive past it all the time. And it's near the Gladesville Bridge, but it turns out that that's the first purpose-built um, psychiatric facility in Australia. And it was built in 1838, or opened in 1838, and it was called the Tarban Creek Lunatic Asylum. And I love, I love, you know, the name itself made me just go, geez, listen to that, you know, and I've got to look into that. And so that, I, I used that as my sort of starting point. Uh, Australia's first purpose-built mental health facility and then looked into all sorts of aspects of, of um, um, mental health care over the last... I went right back to 1247 with the sort of research and then, um, and then I create paintings that are about um yeah that about within that within that about not only about the the facility near where i grew up but through the history of mental health and it brings it into a contemporary um brings in and makes it a contemporary um issue where you're looking at or, or you're, you're touching on where are we at now with mental health what have we learned from the past where are we going so yeah that's that's what the art of bedlam show is about and all the paint, all the paintings that I've done for that, and I also like, um, also really like writing the statements that go with each painting. That mm, sort of they'll explain what's going on, maybe a little bit in the painting, but they'll also explain something about um, specific aspects of mental health care. In this case, um, yeah, it might be shock therapy or hysteria or. Um, lobotomies or something like this or uplifting stuff <laughs> no but it is it's all it's all uh, it's all really interesting stuff some of it's really macabre but some of it like the hysteria stuff is hysterical um in its way it, it is amusing uh, ludicrous diagnose diagnoses of people blanket blanket diagnosis hysteria and it's just ridiculous, but um, and it's now not considered a um, it's now no longer considered a um, bona fide um, diagnosis of anything hysteria. You can't say someone has hysteria or is hysterical unless you were saying they were hysterical in a funny sense. You know yeah. what I mean? You'd yeah. say that, but hysteria as a diagnosis as a mental condition, but that goes back to um, uh, back to e Egypt. Like a thousand BC, people were getting diagnosed with hysteria. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know if people are interested in that, but um, this is the sort of stuff I use as fodder for paintings. I, I, I look into things, quirky stuff. I like that, and then I want to tell the story of that, and then the visual, the paintings. They're the visual image that's telling the story. And, and allows people, uh, it opens dialogues, it opens conversation, and it allows people in, and, and yeah, so that's what that's that's the latest stuff. Yeah, that sounds like it's a continuation from your um your comic writing because it's like you got imagery and text to accompany each other. Yes, too. exactly. That's exactly yeah. what it is. It's like um when it, that's it's like <clears throat> I would be doing. When you're doing cartoony stuff, it could be like a, a single panel gag was, 
your typical Gary Larson type thing is a single panel gag. There's, there's one mm-hmm. drawing and there's one caption and they set each other off. You look at the visual, you read the caption, you hopefully laugh. And then there's the strip comic. Multiple panels, you know, like you'd, what, whoever you... You, whoever you like Garfield it. yeah Garfield mul- strip cartoon multi-panels with captions coming out of people's mouths and whatever like that so that is yeah it is pretty much exactly what I'm still doing but the captions are now statements which are a lot longer and more well researched and not necessarily anything to do with humour and the visual image. So I find my um, when I have an exhibition, I, I I've almost spent as much work on the statement that's sitting alongside the painting as I have on the painting. They both go together, and it's to me very important that you kind of read both. You get some people go, oh, I don't even want to read the statement. I just want to let the painting talk to me, and I'm sort of going, it's it's not really that. Well, you can do that, sure, do what you like, but, you know. I guess it's good to if there's intention behind the painting. Because I know with me, like, sometimes, like, I'm sure all artists do this. You just paint for yourself, you make a painting, and then someone turns to you and says, so tell me, what's this painting about? Yeah. But you've just painted for the joy of painting, and you wanted to uh, express yourself through, like, colour and style, and that's that's all there really is to it. But yeah. Some people want a deeper meaning behind it. Yeah. Whereas, you've actually got the deeper meaning that you're bringing into the uh, Yeah, pieces. yeah. Although sometimes I think with that, what you're just saying there, that sometimes the ones you might even say, oh, it's just, uh, it doesn't really have any meaning. It's just me expressing myself. Mm. It's just me letting loose or something. And then you can sometimes look back at things and see in them going, oh, actually, I can, it, it does have a deeper meaning. That was all going on when you maybe you were splitting up with someone or, you, you know. Hmm. Murdered your brother, <laughs> as and and I don't know, but yeah. Sometimes I think that those ones that you just think are like, oh no, it's it's nothing. It's got nothing to do with anything. But, you know the way they say like everything's a self-portrait. Ultimately, yeah, I do. I do think what what wonder what sometimes generates your moves and your decisions, mm-hmm. and and is it actually does it have a meaning? Yeah. How'd you go with the transition though? Because I know. Um, I know when you're working like even between styles or between careers or uh, between scenes and all that to sort of to go from being like I'm a comic book artist yeah. and an illustrator yeah. and a comedian to say now I'm a fine artist yeah. who tackles serious products, uh, uh, topics, sorry, and, uh, and creates like, uh, you know, paintings to be hung in big galleries and everything. Were you concerned on... Um, what people would think of you and all this sort of, like all the stuff that goes through. Oh, I've always been one. I do a real kind of throw the baby out of the bathwater type guy. Like, so I'll just, I'll just get an idea in my head about some, some like, for instance, when I was, so I did, you know, you're doing stand up for 10. Oh, okay. I was doing landscaping for 15 years or something. And, and I, it was like an oven and an instant, I just went. I'm sick of this. I'm not doing this anymore. And I and I and I. I was. It was during a summer sort of a two week break, and I got the idea like, no, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna do cartoons, 
And I had employees and stuff working for me as a landscaper. And I've just gotten this insane idea that I'm going to, you know, do cartoons and cancel, uh, rang people up. I'm not doing this anymore. I've been doing it for 15 years. It was, I had, I had a ute with sign writing on it. I had adver, adverts and yellow pages and all the local papers and all that. And I just immediately went, no, that's, that's out. I dumped that. So that was landscaping into sort of cartooning and the comedy world. And then with the comedy world and the cartooning, I just, I just overnight again just went, that's gone. I dumped it within 24 hours and went, I'm going to do this fine art stuff, which I had no idea about any of it. And but just when, um, no, this is a new direction and I'll learn as I go. It's always self-taught really with me. I, 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 you know, I haven't been a uni, haven't done an art degree. I've never, um, done anything like that. So it would always be just me backing myself, but I guess it comes with the um, spirit of inquiry and 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 the spirit of um, always. Uh, I've always been fine with being a learner and going back to square one and and just reinventing myself and so not coming out blazing like I know uh, everything or even know what I'm doing. I come out blazing like I don't know anything and so I'm just then reading and asking people's stuff and just absorbing things and I, I, yeah, sponging up information. I, you're a bit like that. I mm. see that. You, 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 you love to allow for new information, which is a beautiful thing, you know, and, mm. you, and, and also it's a beautiful thing to, to, to allow, allow yourself to, to be a learner, you know, to not have that attitude of I already know or I'm an expert or something and uh, actually that comes from martial arts so I did martial arts for quite a long time too and reasonable long time but um, that that thing of beginner's mind you want to mm-hmm. you want to have beginner's mind you want to empty your cup before you come into the room and all that and allow it to be filled up by if you've got a teacher great or I didn't have a teacher so you'd be just looking at um, yeah looking at other people's things and absorbing it and stuff yeah yeah and how like what was your first um entry into the art world uh first entry into the art world into the fine art world sort of thing yeah you mean? like how'd you cut your teeth you know get uh, get your foot in the door and uh, like pretty much like it would be where you know you'd have those you'd have like you'd find like back to that thing of going um how can I get this work out there without um, having a, some gallerist or something judging whether it's any good or not? So then you'd look. I'd be looking for, you know, those online type platforms where you can sell your art, sort of thing. And then I went, oh, here you go. You know, you can load up an image and put a price on it and 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 see how you go. It's like baiting a hook and chucking it in the in the river sort of thing and then i i remember i i i I, my first sort of taste of fine art world was loading up an image uh putting a price on it and then it was maybe five days later or something there's an email going you know you have a sale and and i and so that was i went well i've sold a painting sort of thing and then and then that for me was Oh, okay. Now, now there's a world available to me via the internet where I could be selling the paintings, 
working from home here. Um, and then I got right into that and then that turned into um, galleries and stuff in Sydney who saw that work on those types of sites. And then they contacted me saying, oh, you know, would, would you be interested in being represented and things? And, and, and then I was on my way, you know, and I went, oh, how cool is that? And, and, and yeah, that's it. that was like the, the entry into fine art world was firstly self-generated using those, um, you know, using internet selling platforms and then, and then into the gallery relationships and and i'm actually not i don't actually i rarely ever sell privately now i do like to i like the gallery selling for me i'm fine with commissions because they're getting a lot higher prices and things and i like the i like the the gallery relationship too whereby it allows me to just come in here and, and I focus on the work and someone else focuses on the selling. I don't like all the to and froing with, um, you know, internet buyers and stuff. I, I, I'm not crazy about that. So mm. I prefer, I, I love the gallery relationship. Some people aren't really into that, but um, I do. Yeah, I think a lot of people, a lot of artists have a hard time with the 50% yeah. uh, commission. Um, I, 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 I don't, I, have, I don't, I don't have any problem with that if I feel that the um, gallery is working, um, is, is really working hard and promoting me well. And, and, I'm, and you know, I, I'm lucky I have a really good um, relationship with the main gallery I'm with, which is Brenda Collahan, and um, that I, I, just, I just get along really well with her as a person. And I've, I've stayed at a house and stuff when I'm in Sydney and... She's just a friend. She was introduced to me by a friend. So it has come in a genuine um, way. So someone I trusted introduced me to her. So it's like a friendship thing already, you know. And yeah, so 50% uh, fifty is with the exhibition stuff and then, and then it's 40% with just general sales. I'm mm. fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as long as they earn it, if they're so, hey, they they got to bring in the sales. And, yeah, well, that's the thing. If like, so, with her, she does, yeah. and so you go and mate, you know, she really generates a yeah. sale. So you go fifty percent, fine. Yeah, go nuts, you know. Yeah, because um, I, yeah. I find with with me, for instance, like I'll I'll do a lot of like smaller studies and things like that, and I'll find that I've got a market privately to sell smaller works yeah but the bigger paintings i've got a much smaller market so yeah. they're the ones that I, I like to feed through the galleries yeah some. yeah yeah because you know when you've got a twenty thousand dollar painting sitting there there's it's, there's not that many people knocking on your studio door looking for no. that whereas the galleries you say all right you know if you can sell this I'll yeah 50 percent for sure. sure because as artists we want to paint big paintings yeah and, you know but then with a big painting comes a big price tag and then you yeah. got to find the right... right and hard to collector. talk yourself up. I never like yeah. that sort of style. Let yeah. someone else talk you up and, and, and to be sitting there, hard, really hard to sell. It's really hard to sell you know, yourself. Well, not everyone's like that, but I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not crazy on sitting there sort of talking myself up and why you should give me that sort of money for it mate we've been sitting here for 46 minutes talking about talk, yeah talk yeah yeah but i'm not trying to sell you anything <laughs> <laughs> so um before i met you i'd heard about you 
um, I'd heard about these like epic uh, party exhibition, like art, sort of like art party, would you call it? Uh, things that you throw up here at your place? Um, they weren't meant to be. That's actually, as you say that, I go, oh. There was, um, <laughs> yeah, so he started using the studio here to, um, again, you know, doing it yourself. Um, at that time, maybe at the start of that sort of stuff, you know, I, I, I was just selling online and all that sort of stuff. And, and then um, went, ah, we could have exhibitions here and, and in the studio. And, 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 and that's how that started. And then you sort of go like, oh, let's get a few of us and get a few of us and we'll, and we'll, and we'll have a one-night exhibition. And if everyone, like, invited 20 people or something, like, you'd have a pretty big crowd, you know. If you had six artists and you all invited, yeah, you'd have, like, 150 people. And that's exactly what happened. And that turned into oh, the access via, there's nowhere to park cars and all that. So then I had to build these stairs down, 100 stairs down through the bush here down to the bottom of the hill and all that and and then and then you know what about oh six artists exhibiting oh that's not enough you know you like it's not stimulating enough you need you need more you need like yeah and so then it became i don't know 15 artists and then you went on all the way up those stairs you know it's like 100 meters of stairs it's 110 actually it's exactly 110 meters because i know because i measured it and built it so then you go and you've got 100 metres of pathway. There should be stuff going on all the way along that path. There should be like acts and there should be sculptures. And, and what about words on the steps and all that? So just turn it like, like that type of excitement and that got into a whole bunch of people who were involved in this. Um, yeah, and it was, we called it Forest Art. And so you had these forest art shows, one night events, insane amount of work went into them um all just for just for the pure enjoyment and the whole thing with it was like you were saying whatever it is my the initial idea was like whatever it is you usually do i was going to have it that you weren't allowed to do that so if you're a painter you you know you got to be a musician or something or if you're a musician you'd be a sculptor that was that was the original idea which other people have done this sort of stuff is that's it's been done before and um so so that was the original idea but it kind of turned into where it became no no painters did paintings and sculptors did sculptures but they but the idea was to do like you didn't want to you didn't want to spend a year working on something for a one night show where it was you know frowned upon to sell it sort of thing it was meant to be all sort of you know giveaway and whatever not giveaway at all but just for the night what you did with it was your business so yeah it, it turned into where you'd go how can you make something with big impact uh cheaply and 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 it was like really like almost caricaturing or or, 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 or uh, exaggerating yourself so so people then started to sort of get into that going oh yeah got this big effect won't cost me much to do it. It's all made out of paper or, you know, cardboard left over or something. And, but yeah, and so people really liked it. And then being here in Mullumbimby doesn't take long, like, because I've lived here for 30 years. So then you know a fair few people and that. And then they, 
they you know and so something's going on in Marlumbimbi even though I'm in the hills a bit and it's at Brendan's place and stuff and so they're gonna uh, you ended up getting a crowd you know you ended up getting a big crowd and and so it became just this really quite and that's when you go oh party what was it a party exhibition it was meant to be originally it was meant to be an exhibition and then it grew into an, 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 an exhibition with atmosphere and people dressing up or something and then it turned into where a lady said to me oh I just passed some people um I just passed some people coming along the road and they said, oh, where's the party? And she told me that. This is an artist friend of mine who I really respect, an older lady, and she said that And she said that to me and I went, ah, they're, they're rocking up now just thinking it's a party, you know. And, and well, I mean, we had a bar. We got a bar with cocktails. It's going nuts. The bar was great. And, and there's all, as I say, there's just all this different music and things that you didn't know was coming up. It wasn't like, oh, here's, a, here's an act. They were all in weird places and stuff in the bushes and things. So, yeah, it's just you wonder why. I don't know, I kind of like that, having said that. I like the idea of uh, exhibiting your art and, there's, and it's not such a stiff environment and it's all a bit looser and stuff, you know. I, yeah. I still, I still, hey, you know, if, there, you, there, there's one like maybe you, when you go, oh, any views to the future or this sort of thing, you go, and I, I bet you I could one day if you, if you just like, you know, got famous in art or something, I bet I'd do throw back to that again and just turn it into a, you know, really crazy night of yeah. just um, everyone's just going nuts, and it's essentially a party, but with a good aesthetic. Mate, I want to go to one. <laughs> yeah, you go. Yeah. Well, yeah, they yeah. got ruined by they got ruined by COVID. So yeah. we had one coming up. It was called Flight to Light. Oh, they were the theme. They'd have that that uh, flesh and bone experiment. Enter the Bower. This they'd have all these themes. And um, so the, the one, when COVID kicked in, we were just about to go with this one called Flight to Light. And so it was how you interpreted that. I'd sort of just lay out this mm. thing. It's called Flight to Light. And so then lots of people had all these religious themes and, or just light as in electronic mm. stuff. Flight to Light, interpret that, go nuts with that, be, yeah. be, extend that. And so... And so that was all, all these people did all this artwork and, and, and I had and Claire had and we were all ready to roll and then COVID just shut it down. And so then it was whatever it is, two years of COVID or something and, um, and we haven't haven't done it again but yeah that that yeah. and then you, it's time to bring it back well, that's Go what everyone Brandon. says Go too Brandon, i know out. and then so, and i'm cool I'll with help that. Out. i'm cool I, I am cool with that and i do want to do do more of those shows because they they're just good for everybody but um i i reckon i'd tone it down a bit where because it was actually what happens in areas like this that are Mullumbimby's, you know, it's near Byron Bay and all that. There's still a country town and things. So entertainment-wise, when someone starts doing something and people like it, they all, like, the word goes around pretty quick. And so I just, that, the last show we did here, the one that was called The Flesh and Bone Experiment, um, you know, you had cars parked 
two kilometres up the dirt road and, and, and just dominating the whole area. You got neighbours and things, but and so yeah, it was getting. It just started to get to the point where you go, you know what, you do this again in six months' time, and you're probably going to have trouble, as in too many people, not enough space, um, you know, people drinking and things. Who knows what you're going to get? So it just got to the point where I went, oh man, we. We we'll just cap it there for a while, but yeah, I'm up, I'm up for it. But no, it's been a couple of years. Um, no, it has been go. a couple of years, but I'm going. I'm not wanting to invite. Um, it'd just be like a, a friends, friends, and like 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 you'd call that a. Uh, don't worry, I've friends been, and acquaintances. No, I've been <laughs> to the law firm in Mullum about it. It's a um, it's a um, private gathering on private property. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not an event. Yeah. Yeah, it's a private gathering on private property. You you got to keep it at that level. That mm. still doesn't stop. Man, I want to have a few of them at my studio. Yeah, well, that's it. Do it. Property. Let's do it. Let's do it. But your studio isn't on your own property, though, so you couldn't do it. Oh, I have already. Oh, have you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <were laughs> Multiple you? times. Right. That's my entertainment space. My uh, house is really small. I'm not and sure. And I haven't got much room to entertain. So... Whenever I've got like getting a group of people together or something, it's like straight down the studio. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if the, for that, like with your, um, that you rent your space, it's on that property down there. Mate. So then the landlord, he doesn't mind Trust that. Trust me, mate. Well, he's I, at the party. No, nah, hey, I've invited him before. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like I just say it's a professional thing. Oh, I've invited art gallery, like I've invited gallery yeah. people, yeah. like other artists like yourself. Yeah. And really, they're all my friends. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But you do it at work. night? Ah, uh, well, I just do it in the afternoon. afternoon. It's better in the daylight, that place. Are you allowed, are you allowed, you're not allowed to sleep there, I know you said that, but um, are you oh, allowed to do things into the evening there, or is, that, is there a cut-off time? Hey, I'm, I'm not, trust me, I pay him so much rent. Yeah, like, yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be pissed if they, <laughs> if they kick me out, you know, mm. for something small like that. Like, I'm talking like 40, 50 people. Like, yeah. Not like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And there's a big like, car parking area. Yeah, there is. Lots of parking. Yeah. No excuses. Just keep it very contained. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it sounds like uh, something's brewing. Right? Yeah, we're going, going to a party. You are going to a party at your place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Giant sign there that Damn. says "Go to Brendan's." Sometimes, like you know, sometimes you do those small bodies of work. It's just like a little series or something. Six, yeah. Six, eight paintings. Yeah. It's like this isn't a show. You know what? What am I going to do with? Yeah, these, I don't want to do any more of them. I think this is a good amount. Yeah, you know, like little, yeah, that's little the sort of thing like that you would use it at these sorts yeah, of things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's and like, and you, it's an opportunity to show them. It's yeah. not really like a sales. Event, no, 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 no. It's an opportunity to show them, have a few yeah. drinks. You know, don't like, don't try to sell any of them because, um, oh, no, it's not about that. No, and that's it. It's about more like uh, letting people know who you are and what you're doing. That is you what. It, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. So um, we've uh, we went out painting last weekend actually. We yeah. Painted an abandoned uh, country club up there in Tweed Heads, and uh, you know it was I could see you got like really fired up to be painting like like large scale on um, you know directly on the walls and all that type of stuff. Uh, are you uh, looking to do more of this stuff? As you go uh, into the future. Um, so the street art thing is something I'd never done before. And I'd always, it was actually when I was doing stand-up and I'd be down in Melbourne or up in Brisbane or down in Sydney or something. And so maybe you're traveling on a train or you're walking down the street and I'd notice 
little street arty sorts of things and I'd often notice the more sort of quirky things. The things that would catch my attention would be odd placement. It might only be a small thing, but it'd be in a quirky spot where I would see it and I'd think, God, not many people are going to see that, but uh, maybe I'm kind of like that person's audience where... He's got. I'll get some here, and so I first of all would be noticing street art. A lot of the stuff I'd notice too would be like uh, I don't know what you what you call it, like like someone just does an A4 print and then you know, glues it on with some gluey water, I guess, or something. And there'd be just a printed thing and and glued on, and and I, that would relate back to where I'm going. Oh wow, you could anyone can do that. Yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be that'd be easy or fun. Or, so I would notice street art stuff, but I never knew anyone, or I never got out there and did it. I mean, I'm out on acres in Mullumbimby, so it just wasn't something I really went. Oh, I'll, I'll do that. I was always busy doing other things. And then, so yeah, once I met you, um, and then it, you sort of said, oh, come on out and we'll do some. And um, um, no, so I was real. I really loved that. I embraced it immediately. And then I, what I liked about it was, you know, where we went, which was this country club at um, Tweed Heads that had been what is that it had been Mate, closed just, down for like looks like it's been shut for like 15 years right. or something and it looks like kids have just gone in there and just smashed everything <laughs> yeah and all plants growing in there and mm. like the jungle sort of taking it over yeah yeah it is yeah. so it's a pretty wild thing with every bit of graffiti i've ever seen all in the one spot so then the idea where we kind of took an area and um rolled it all clean and then it was like I liked it that by the end of the day, you'd made a whole exhibition of quite large works, which happened very, very spontaneously, and and um, yeah, I, I, I loved it. I I, I I don't know if I would want to be like. I'm not picturing myself running around doing that all over the place because, yeah, I got other stuff to do. But I definitely can see. Um, the, the fun of it and the um, yeah, just a release, an inspiring release of energy. By the end of the day, I reckon I was pretty tired when I got home. It was a hot day too, and lucky we were undercover. But um, yeah. it's not an the street art thing. It's not as easy as as, as it looks. <laughs> Mate, it's like you see it's still some, working. You see epic murals out there, yeah. and just think about the amount of yeah. labour that went into it. Like, wow. Like I was looking at a, um, a mural in Newcastle the other day by a, uh, an artist named Finton McGee, who's been on this on the podcast before, and he he did a mural that was probably four stories high. This yeah. is just a memory; it was about that high, maybe bigger. I don't know, but it was like you know when you look through like those um, old school glass windows that are all rimpled, like yeah, that, so yeah. it's all vertical lines. Yeah. So it's someone, a portrait of someone, but looking through one of those. Ah, like a window. giant oh, looking through the window at the side of front door. Brushes yeah. in different colours. And yeah. it's just like, man. Yeah. The amount of work that would have gone into that, yeah. like, at that scale, yeah. is like, we paint, you know, we painted some pretty basic things. We just, you, you know, you only use two colours. I yeah. only use three or four. It's still hard enough. But, gee, just, like, just covering that space in that heat too. Yeah. Oh, the heat. Anyway. But yeah. it was a lot of fun, and I've, uh, I don't know, I've, I've 
Bought me roll of hole around here this afternoon. To, to, to excite me. <laughs> Get you fired. Yeah, up. no, I like it. I, I like. I'm, I'm seeing. Uh, I don't know what. I don't know what I, what I would be in the street art world, but I, I can see I'm immediately drawn to prime real estate. I wouldn't be interested in. I, I, I want. I, I want it to be seen. There's no way I'd be interested in doing like under some bridge or something like that. Fuck that. I want. I want prime real estate. <laughs> And um, and large. large. I can see I'm immediately needy. I'm 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 up for getting like a cherry picker. Uh, I, I can see I'm going to need a cherry picker and um, and um, and some locations. Yeah. So you're not going to pull off any illegal spots with a cherry picker, are you? See. So you can't. You're not going to be running from the cops in your cherry picker. No, no, no. <laughs> but it depends on a certain spot and a certain situation. If it's like, oh, like you've knocked on the door. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. It's like, man, I could I see just, that. I can just hire a cherry picker. Yeah, that, that would it. totally work. I'd be know. totally up for that where you go, a, a business or something says, hey, on the side of that wall, go nuts. And it might be four metres, not four, four storeys high. Mm. I would, oh, that, that I could, I, I could get into that. It's all that. I like all the, like the, how, working out how to do things and the logistics mm. and then pulling it off with the minimal cost and materials and all that yeah i love it do, do you know i like i like the immediacy of it yeah I like where that. you're standing in front of it going all right let's go and let's just get this done you know what i mean whereas when i'm in the studio man i tinker with painting yeah. stuff for ages yeah some of the stuff on the walls for months and then you yeah. look at it you go mate i could have banged this out in three yeah hours. yeah yeah and the one the, the spontaneous know, one was it's better. like that it's like that um you know you can when all the answers are there and on there and finished it's so easy to see it clearly, but when you, it's a blank canvas and you're building it up and you're not sure what step to take and all that, you overthink <laughs> everything and you take things out and change yeah. all the changes. It can take forever, but when yeah. you're standing in front of a wall yeah. and you've say you've primed it or it's yeah. just ready to go and you're on a main road and you're just like, all right, let's... Yeah, you're going, okay, it's ready. Yeah, and, or you do a thing and you done. go, yeah, that's it. That's yeah. done. I, that's what yeah. I felt with it. It was so instantaneous yeah. and you were really operating on your... Yeah, synapses. Your visceral yeah. side was—that was what you had. That's what I noticed when it got where you, you know you launched into that what we were doing, and then you know conversation stops because you've both gone into and it's pretty much at a state of absorption, which is what you look for in your studio. And then because it's so immediately immediate, there's no mucking around here we're out of here you know kind of as soon as we can really and mm. so it was just so direct yeah i love that mm. i love i definitely love that i want to take a moment to say a special thanks to today's sponsor neo primo neo primo is a new nft platform focusing on the highest quality art they deliver lasting value to collectors by providing fully curated drops with successful and outstanding artists so if you're thinking of collecting nfts and don't know where to start Visit neoprimo.com and browse the amazing catalogue of artworks. All NFTs are minted on the Ethereum network and their contracts have been fully audited for quality and security. Visit neoprimo.com to check out the latest drops and artworks from artists you know and love. All right, back to the interview. So, Brendan, are you uh, ready for some rapid-fire questions? Rapid-fire, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of. Yeah, it's just, yeah it's see how rapid. Get a bit more info from... From you, you know. Um, name one artist who you think deserves more shine. Um, this guy, Stephen R. Smith. Stephen R. Smith, and, and what I like about him, 
it's there's no lyric there's no lyric it's just music and he also has many um sort of incarnations he also he's got another thing he does it's just all him though uh, uh another thing he does called hala strana and there's like six records of that and then he does his ulan coal ulan um oh, there's a few of the ulan ones it's like 20 different there's 20 different releases or more and he also does all his um record art like um wood wood block printing and a lot of printy stuff and his artwork i really love as well so stephen r smith is my guy who needs more shine and uh, so man he's been around for like 30 years or so you can mm. barely see a photo of him so mm. he's a funny guy yeah um what medium would you love to work with medium i'd love to work oh that was it oh that's right i've thought about that okay so i've always had my eye on bronze sculptures when you'd be going in um you know parks and stuff in sydney when you were a kid or I grew up right near Macquarie University, so we'd be used to be riding our bikes and that around Macquarie University, and it had bronze sculpture. So yeah, I, always, I like the I like the thought of um, getting involved in that. But how that what you need a foundry Mate. and all that's like I, I don't even know how you would do that. They look heavy and expensive. But, yeah. uh, I like the large. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, large like, it's more and, like having the opportunity to do that sort of thing. Yeah, an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, and a, the, a process where you. Can, creating it's sort of printing like in a way where you're sort of creating a mold and then you've got to make a mold yeah. off that that becomes yeah I, I, yeah bronze sculpture would be my thing yeah so um what's one skill you wish you had ah uh, yeah the old computer back to the digital the digital thing i kind of I, I don't really wish i had it or that, that i do wish i had it so it's always back yeah. to the old um computers and 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 digital world yeah that's a skill i wish i was all over it like a rash like you but um i mean but you're not saying you're all over it like a rash no, not you're way days. more you're way more confident than me with um all that sort of stuff yeah, i no. worked on them for years though and that was it ah, that's doing how i got graphics. it doing graphic design ah, yeah okay. but that that's it before i did that i didn't know how to use them and now i'm um I'm out, like, my skills are out of date compared to what's going on today. Yeah, it doesn't you take know. long to... I've got the design fundamentals and all that. Yeah. As, I mean, as far as using tools and programs and... Yeah. You know, I just, you know. Yeah, but I'm still, I'm still pretty, um, you know, behind it all. Yeah. Um, who are some of your favourite artists? Okay, my favourite at the moment I've been going on a bender on is Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, just read about all. I'm up on Leonardo at the moment, and he he he's he's my new um, he's my new mentor and hero. Yeah, if you haven't, no, they, they got, there's so many things that Leonardo da Vinci invented that we use every single day. It's ridiculous, and and his and his 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 art his art and all his you know he kept like these large. Um, it's almost like scrapbook, but large newspaper-sized paint drawn, scribbled at both sides every day of his life. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of his drawings and his writing and all that. Just unreal, yeah. So I'm going, I'm going Leonardo da Vinci all the way. Yeah. What's something from Leonardo da Vinci that we use all the time? Maps, like Google Maps. Looking down, looking down 
onto a city or a village or a fortification and doing it as a map as we know it. Uh, he, 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 he invented that in like 1490 or something like this. Wow. Like yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That was, that was used as a, as a um, you know, to help uh, an invader and, 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 and you can show people getting around the back there, do this. That, mm. They hadn't done that. Yeah, wow. It was all this sort of um, landscapey, maybe the best would be a landscapey illustration mm. of a village as someone looked at it from a hill and went, it looks like this. But that's not showing you where the back door is, yeah, where the yeah. fence, and it was all the scale. So he's like, measure. oh, well, there you go. And in his creating of the maps, the, 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 the odometer in your car. You say how far it is. Yep. Yeah, he yeah. invented like the me- like a, a you know, push a, a, a measuring wheel along the ground, measuring each meter to do landscaping job or building job. You know, been, wow. you, know you buy them at Bunnings, measure, roll along. Leonardo invented that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> All yeah, right, we'll, we'll end that. The there. iPhone in your hand. <laughs> no. um, what advice would you give your younger self? Mm. Stay at school. I got stay at school because left at um, left in year ten. Shouldn't have done that. And um, get a vasectomy. That's the other one. I'm going get yourself a vasectomy or crush them, crush them with a brick or something. Just because, because I by I, I by the time I was seventeen, I had um, done some damage already, and it was it was always gonna. Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah get a vasectomy so um do you keep uh do you keep regular workouts yeah i do and we we, we we did talk about that maybe that'll be edited out i don't know but um regular work hours i do i'm a real day person and coming from that trade trade work environment where I, when i was a landscaper and that as a young kid um it was very much a day thing getting up early got work tomorrow getting up early putting in a day full day having a lunch break of some time or whatever and yeah so i still do that which really works for me um and then and then if you do that if you do you know morning to to, to, like an eight hour day sort of thing or, or more you do that five days a week even and you'll be knocking out a fair body of work at a good consistent rate in and, and, and the idea of like for me like you know some all-night bender in the art room uh, you know oh, he was possessed for 40 hours or something on a but that, I, that doesn't I don't do that you know I don't, mm. don't do that I've got a life and, 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 and things to do as well so it works for me to have that um, yeah re- structure yeah i totally agree yeah and i've got a partner i've got a partner claire so you've also got to live with them and she's artist doing the exact same thing she's over there right now you know i can Mm. see her and so so yeah you've got your day practice and 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 at night yeah you've got to cook dinner and bathe and take the dog for a walk and social things happen so that's i reckon that's the most productive i can be is is that work ethic and 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 every day I agree man I agree um, do you have a uh, dream project you'd love to work on yeah my one is I had this I was looking into um, uh, this and that but it was Ben Long the the the, 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 the um, 
Benelong's like your indigenous link between Governor Arthur Philip and 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 the Eora people, and um, so 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 I got into Benelong, and then the idea of having a, a Benelong series at the Opera House, which is at Benelong Point, because Benelong lived there a little bit, not much, but. Um, yeah, so that's my dream one would be to get some sort of something about Benelong at the Opera House. Yeah, that's a big dream. I know it's a, it's, a, it's a, it maybe yeah. seems an outlandish dream, but um, no, you could see that there. You could definitely. I reckon like a series of panels, the life of Benelong, because when I've looked into it, it's got a, it's an amazing story, and it should be there. And so that's my idea. Nothing's too big of a dream, is it? No. Um, where are you wanting to take your art career? I'd like to have since you're offering. Yeah, here we go. Since like you're any, offering anything I want, yes, I pretty much it'll be the same as any artist. Now I'd like to see myself ex, uh, bigger shows. Um, maybe I'd like I'd like to be doing stuff overseas. Love to New York or, or, or London, France, this mm. sort of stuff. As in doing shows there, and that they were well received. Why wouldn't you want that? Yeah, I could. I, that's my expansive side, I guess. Going. I'm up for total world domination. So, yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so that's my answer. Let's, let's do it. I'll join you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any uh, future plans or projects in the pipeline? Um, well, other than the, so the show I've got coming up in March, I've done that. So that's all done. And then you're going, oh, what, are I gonna, what am I going to do after that? And I'm sort of going, oh, if, if for me, it feels like I just want to see how that goes before I launch into another subject and then um yeah a bit of street art with you yeah all right and um where's the best place for uh people to see your work online um the i guess the usual spots on instagram and um facebook and website of mine but if, i think if you just went to instagram go brendan kelly art studio you can see loads of stuff there yeah do that Awesome. All right, Brendan, it's been uh, been awesome uh, finding out more about you. Like, I'm looking forward to these rollers we've got coming up uh, <laughs> next week. And, um, you know, everyone get down to um, Other Bedlam, which is opening on the 23rd of March. And what gallery is that at? Brenda Collahan Fine Art. Yeah, in Sydney. In Sydney.